into it today. You ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Turn to the one you didn't really want to talk to and say, I'm glad you're here too, I guess. Glad you're here too, I guess. I want to talk to you a little bit today about getting your spiritual edge back. Getting your spiritual edge back. But before we get into the message, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever spent time looking for something you misplaced or lost? Let me see your hands. Has anybody ever done that? We've all searched our house frantically. We've searched our cars. We've searched on our job, possibly searching at school. You've you've misplaced something. You, You lost something. You spent a lot of time looking for it, trying to find it. And here's the reality. Most of the time, the thing that we're trying to find is in our possession. Have you ever noticed that? For instance, how many of you guys have ever looked for reading glasses or sunglasses only to find them on your head? Come on in the house, amen. Uh, What about this? Uh, How many of you have been searching frantically for your car keys in your house? You were running late. You really had to have them. You're trying to find them only to find your keys in your mouth. Come on, anybody want to admit to that one? And then here's my favorite one. I am notorious for losing this right here. Misty will tell you in a heartbeat, I lose it all the time. And there was a time where I was like, man, we're late. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know where we're going to go. And I'm like, can somebody please call my phone? I don't know where it was at. How many of you have ever had it in your pocket? Come on, has anybody ever done that? I had a lady at one of our campuses, she said, Pastor, she said, you're not going to believe this. I was looking the house high and dry, could not find my phone. Finally, I looked in my hand. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Has anybody ever done that before? Come on. Leadership is feeling really strong right now around here. The point is, we, we look for things that we've lost or misplaced. We, we all do that. But what I want to talk to you about today is actually losing something that's not, or looking for something really, that's not tangible, but is something spiritual in nature. Because I really believe with all of my heart that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that there has been times in your walk with God, there's been seasons in your walk with God, where maybe you've lost something spiritual in nature. For instance, maybe there was a time where you had this passion for God, you had a hunger for His Word, a hunger to, to be near Him, to pray, and there was just this, this passion, right? You, you woke up in the morning, and you're like, man, let's charge Hades with a water pistol. Like, let's go after it. You had a passion inside of you, but somewhere along the way, you lost that. There's others of you, maybe there was a time in your life where there was this joy inside of you. Like you woke up in the morning. How many morning people do we have in the house today? Anybody that's just a morning person? You just wake up singing. Come on, is anybody like that? You just had this joy inside of you, this longing just to do something great for God. But somewhere along the way, you've, you've lost that. Maybe for some of you, there was a time where you had amazing faith and you believed God for really big things because you knew that God has plans to bless you and prosper you and do great things in your life. And so you would pray, you would seek God, but now you find yourself in a place where you're not really praying for much of anything and quite honestly, you're not really sure what you believe anymore. You had something very important spiritually, but somewhere along the way, you lost it. 
And so what I want to do today is I want to look at a guy in the Bible, a guy by the name of Elisha. Now, when you talk about Elisha, you also have to look at his partner in crime, if you will, his mentor, his spiritual father, Elijah. So you got Elijah and Elisha, and these were two great men of God and did amazing things for the kingdom in the Old Testament, kind of like Batman and Robin, if you will. And there was a time where Elijah knew that God was about to take him home, and so Elisha asked one thing of Elijah. He said, hey, I want a double portion of the spirit that's on you. Like, what's on you? I want a double portion of that to be on me. And we find that God actually answered that prayer. Because when you look at the miracle of these two giants in the faith, Elijah would go on to perform 14 miracles. Elisha would go on to perform 28 miracles. And these are like high-level miracles. I mean, these are very significant miracles. Miracles. For instance, there was one time where there was a, a body of water that was feeding into a community and the water was poisonous. So you had a lot of people getting sick. Some people were dying. And so Elisha comes in with a bowl of salt, throws the salt into the water, and God immediately heals that body of water. There was another time where Elisha uh, goes in and prays for this young boy and God raises him from the dead. Which incidentally, there's only three resurrections in the Old Testament. All three of these things are attributed to either Elijah or Elisha. Great men of faith. There was another time where Elisha provided for a widow woman. Her husband had, had, had passed away and unfortunately he got him in a lot of debt. The creditors were coming to take her two sons so they would work off the debt. Elisha comes in, hey, what do you have? I just have a little bit of oil. He says, hey, go borrow the vessels. The oil never ran out. There's another time where Elisha healed Naaman of leprosy. Hey, go dip in the Jordan. There's another time where Elisha blinded an entire army to move the things of God forward. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, Elisha is there and he's walking out of Jericho. And there's 42 young men that surround him. And they're in essence, they're taunting him. And they're saying, hey, get away from us, baldy. Go on out of here, baldy. Don't come back, baldy. Elisha had enough. Come on, how many of you know there's a breaking point? Elisha turns around, curses these young men. Two bears come out of the woods and maul all 42 of these boys. And you're like, what's the significance of that? Turn to somebody and say, don't mess with a bald head man. Come on, somebody. Amen. And all us bald headed folks said, amen. There you go. But what I want to look at today is probably one of the lesser known miracles that you may read in the Bible. And it comes out of 2 Kings. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, I would call it probably one of the oddest miracles in all of the Bible. And Maybe you've never heard of it before, or if you have heard of it and read it, maybe you don't really understand the significance of it, but it's the miracle of the floating axe head. The floating axe head. So 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, it says, The company of the prophets said to Elijah, Look, the place where we meet is what is too small for us, like, like we need to do a building expansion, we need to build for the generations, this place is too small, so let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole, and let us build a place there for us to meet. Elijah says, go ahead on. One of them said, won't you please come with your service? Elijah said, sure, I'll come. And he went with them, then he went to the Jordan, and he began, they went to the Jordan and began to cut down some trees. 
Now, here's where it gets interesting. Because as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Turn to somebody and say, oh no. It's exactly what he says. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Man of God asked, where did it fall? He showed him the place. And Elijah cut a stick, threw it there, made the iron to float, lifted out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand. And took it. Now, let me give you a little context on what we've just read here. So, you've got this prophet student, this Bible college student. He's out in the woods. He wants to be a part of building for the generations. He doesn't have a lot of money, but he says, Hey, I can put some sweat equity in this thing. I just want to be a part of expanding this thing for God. And so, he bars an axe, an axe head. He's out there, he's cutting. The axe head flies off. Elisha comes on the scene. Cuts a stick, throws a stick in the water. That stick immediately becomes like a magnet. The iron floats to the top, connects to the stick. The young man grabs that head and pulls it in. And you read that and you hear about that and you're like, okay, pretty odd, pretty cool. But what is the meaning of all that? Like, what's the significance of this miracle? Well, here's the thing that you need to understand. This prophet student was very poor, okay? More than likely... Very poor, like ramen noodles living everyday poor. Come on, does anybody feel my pain in Jesus' name? If you've never heard of ramen noodles, check with me at the end of the service. i got four kids I can hook you up. So, ramen noodles poor. He, he doesn't have a lot. Not only that, but this axe head flies off. Here's what you need to understand. Iron at that time was very hard to come by. It was also very, very expensive. So the fact that this prophet student, he borrows this thing wanting to be a part of building for the generations. The iron flies off. He loses it. You understand there's no way he could pay that back. There's no way he can even find more iron to make a different act. There's no way he could do it. So he's kind of in a very bad predicament, which here comes Elisha. And you look at that and you say, okay, what does that really mean? Here's the thing that you've got to understand about God. This is not in your notes, so write this down. God cares about every detail of your life. God cares about every detail of your life. No matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, God cares about every detail of your life. So when you wake up one morning and you go to your car and your car won't start, guess what? God cares about that. If you wake up one morning and you're running late and you're looking for your keys, you're running all through the house only to find them in your mouth, listen to me. God's laughing at you, but he cares about you. Amen. God cares about the details of your life. If it concerns you, it concerns God. He cares about the details of your life. And because he cares about the details of your life, he knows how to help you find what you didn't mean to lose. He knows how to help you find what you did not mean To lose. And for those of you who have lost something spiritual in nature, you need to be reminded of the fact today that we serve a God who can restore. We serve a God who can bring back into your life that which you did not mean to lose. And so, again, when it comes to the axe head, when it comes to applying this to our spiritual life, let me ask you kind of a very pointed question right here Have you lost your spiritual edge? When you look at your life, when you assess where you are with God in that relationship, have you lost your spiritual edge? For some of you in here and watching online, you're like, look, not me, I'm good. My passion is high, everything's good. And I would just say, man, praise God for that. 
Whatever you're doing to keep that spiritual passion high, keep on doing it. But my guess is, for many who are followers of Jesus Christ, you might look at your life and look at a season in your life and realize that there was a time when you were more into the things of God than you are right now. And I'm asking you to be honest about that. I'm asking you to acknowledge that you've lost your spiritual edge. And what does that look like? For some of you, maybe there was a time in your life where you were surrounded with committed Christians. You were a part of bridge group. You were a part of the growth track. You were a part of just community. There was this group of people that were around you, encouraging you and lifting you up and breaking bread together and just having amazing times together. But now you're looking at your life and you're by yourself. And you've lost something. For some of you, maybe there was a time where you were serving in the church and there was this thrill in your heart and in your soul that out of all of the people God could have chosen, He chose you. And He brought you into this place to use the gifts that you have. And it's fulfilling. Is it hard? Absolutely. Is this a sacrifice? Absolutely. But it's fulfilling to know that I am being used by God. But somewhere along the way, you got busy. You stopped. And now your life is pretty much just all about you. You've lost your edge. For some of you, there was a time where you had a passion for prayer. I mean, you would, you would wake up early in the morning and you, would just, you, had a, you had a list and you were praying for people on that list. You were driving down the road and you would pray for people who would pull up beside you. You'd pray for people who would cut you off in traffic. Amen. you just pray for them. You were praying for people on your job, praying for people at your school, but now you look at your life and you rarely even pray over a meal anymore. You've lost your edge. For some of you, there was a time where you used to love to share your faith because you understood the importance of that. You understood that you've got a cure for this spiritual disease that is out there. This disease, that is, this, this void that is in people's heart, in their soul. This God-shaped void. But yet you knew that you had something that could be a cure for that. And so you used to love to share your faith. But now you're in a place where you can't even remember the last time. You had a conversation about Jesus. You've lost your edge. For some of you, there was a time where you had high standards. You had barriers and boundaries that you wouldn't cross. And you said, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do that because that's not pleasing to God. That's not helpful for me. And so one thing led to another. And you said, I'll only try this one time. But one time has now become a habit in your life. And now you're cutting corners. Now you're taking shortcuts. Now you find yourself in a place where you're here. And you wake up one day and you're like, how did this happen? Like, I used to be over here. I used to be on fire for God. I used to open up His Word and salty tears fly down my face. I used to be in an intimate relationship with God. But now, how did I get here? And here's the thing you need to understand. It can happen to all of us. It happens to all of us. And when you look at the Bible, the Bible is, 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 is riddled with individuals who started strong, started with passion, but somewhere along the line they lost it. King Solomon is a, a good example of this. King Solomon is in 1 Kings chapter 3, right? He started right. He, he, he started right. God comes to him and offers him a blank check and says, Hey man, whatever you want, all you got to do is ask and I'll give it to you. Blank check. And what does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. 
Like, God, I just need you. I need wisdom. Not interested in fame and fortune. I just need you. He started right. But eight chapters later, in 1 Kings chapter 11, he winds up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. What happened? Nobody wakes up one morning and says, I'm going to trash my life. Nobody wakes up and says, you know what, I'm just going to walk out on my family. I'm going to walk out on my kids. I'm going to become an addict again. I'm going to become an alcoholic. Nobody wakes up and just says that. Here's something you need to understand. Ships don't sink because of the water around them. They sink because the water gets in them. Let me say that again. Ships don't sink because the water around them. They sink because that water gets in them. And there's an enemy of our soul called the devil that's constantly trying to put cracks and holes in your boat. He's constantly coming in and hitting you so that the outside things of the world will eventually come into your heart. And it's not like a big gaping hole, right? It's it's a crack. It's a little hole. And before you know it, you're filling up with water and you wake up one day and you've sunk. You didn't intend to do it. You You didn't want to do it. But it just happened. It was several years ago, I, I, found, I found myself in that place. I found that myself there, and, and, and I'll never forget it. It was very vivid to me. I, I came up to pray, and while I was praying, God spoke to my heart, and I realized in that moment I hadn't prayed all week long. I was praying publicly, but not privately. And God beat me up real bad that day because I went home and I began to look at my life and look at the different things that I once was doing but wasn't doing anymore. And something dawned on me. I had lost my spiritual edge, but something else dawned on me because I realized I had become a full-time preacher but a part-time follower of Christ. Some of you can identify with that, right? You've become a full-time something and a part-time follower of Christ. Maybe you've become a full-time parent. Your life is all about your kids. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with loving your kids. But you've made your whole life about them and you're a part-time follower of Christ. For some of you, it's all about your job, your career. Nothing wrong with having a good career. Nothing wrong with being goal-oriented. But you have made your whole life about climbing the ladder of success and wanting more and wanting this and wanting that. And in the process of that, you have lost focus on the calling of God on your life. Because every single one of us in here today watching online, whether you realize it or not, listen, I'll even say this. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't even care what you're doing now. There is a calling of God attached to your life. You remember the statement? I've said this before. I said it a few weeks ago. A calling is what you're made for. A job is what you're paid for. There's a difference. We all have a calling on our lives. Your calling is threefold purpose. You are called to know God, to love God, and serve God in this world. What's my calling? It's threefold. Know God, love God, and serve God in this world. That's what we're called to do. But because we've become a full-time something, we've become a part-time follower of Jesus Christ. You You didn't mean to lose it, right? You didn't mean to lose the edge. You didn't mean to stop 
praying with your kids at night. You didn't mean to stop dating your spouse. You didn't mean to fall back into the old patterns and become an addict again. You didn't mean to drift from the love and intimacy that you once had with God. You you didn't mean to do it, but it happened. And you've lost your spiritual edge. So here's another question for you. Not only have you lost your spiritual edge, but what do you do when you're swinging away at life You're giving it all you've got, and the edge flies off. Like, how do I get that spiritual edge back? How do I get my edge back? And I want to give you two things today that I really believe can help us with where we are right now. The first thing you've got to do is this. Number one, you've got to be honest about where you lost it. Be honest about where you lost it. We see this happening in verse 6. Elijah asked this prophet student the question. He said, hey, where did it fall? In other words, the the axe head, it's not gone forever. It's just where you left it. And I would ask you guys the same thing. Where did it fall? Where did you start to lose that edge? Because I guarantee if you go back in your life and you look at the different things that have happened in your life, the choices you've made in your life, I guarantee you, every single one of us in here, if we're in this category, we can go back and say, okay, there's, that's it right there. I got that friend. I started looking at that. I started doing that. I took a wrong turn here. Go back and remember where you took that wrong turn. For some of you, maybe it was, the, it was the wrong kind of friends. You know, you just kind of got hooked up with the wrong people. And you didn't mean for them to influence you, but they did. And now you've lost it. For some of the ladies in the house, maybe there was a, a time and you were just so desperate for a man. Just got a man and you were praying, God, just give me six foot, six pack, and six figures. Come on, somebody. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, that's the devil. Amen. That's the devil. But you were looking for a man like, God, I just need a man. I need a man. And what you really wanted was a guy that was going to love you, be faithful to you, and care for you. So really what you were looking for was Steady Eddie. Come on, anybody know who Steady Eddie? You were looking for Steady Eddie, but because you got in a hurry, because you took a wrong turn, you wound up with Sexy Steve. And so now you're singing that song all by myself. Why? Because you needed Steady Eddie, but you didn't rely on God. You relied on yourself, and you got Sexy Steve. So what about the fellas in the house? You men? Man, you just had this dream in your heart that you were going to marry Betty Crocker. Come on, somebody. Like every time you walked into your house, it was going to be fried chicken, cornbread, rutabagas, fried squash. Is anybody hungry right now? You were dreaming of a woman who didn't even worry with that extra virgin olive oil. She just had a bowl of Crisco with dip her hand. Come on, somebody. That was the dream in your heart. But somewhere you took a wrong turn. And now you wound up with a Shanita. Some of you know what that is. Some of you don't. What is that? She need a car payment. She need a house payment. She need this. She need that. You wound up with all of that. Turn to somebody and say, you took a wrong turn. Maybe you dropped your discipline. You used to pray and then you stopped. You used to be devoted to searching for God in His Word. And you stopped. You used to be a tither. You used to put God first in the area of your finances. But you stopped. 
And now you're wondering why you've lost the joy of worshiping God and serving Him. And the reason why you lost it is because you stopped. Maybe you got hurt by someone. Someone in the church hurt you. That's a bad hurt, right? They, they hurt you. And, 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 and instead of, of internalizing it, instead of asking the Holy Spirit to give you the power to forgive, instead of going to that person, you've, you've allowed bitterness in your life. And instead of dealing with it, that bitterness has grown a root. And now you've got a bitter root in your soul. And now you don't even like God anymore. You don't like the church anymore. All because you didn't realize the water's getting in your boat. But you didn't realize it. You lost it. You've got to go back and be honest about where you lost it. But here's the second thing you've got to do. If you want that edge back, be honest about where you lost it. Here's the second thing. You've got to be willing to take back what you've lost. You've got to be willing to take back what you lost. Why? Because what concerns you concerns God. God cares about every detail of your life. And because of that, He specializes in helping you find what you didn't mean to lose. And so when he brings it back, you've got to take it back. We see this again, verse 6 and 7. Remember this, this Bible college student, he loses it. He comes to Elijah. Elijah says, hey, where is it at? He showed him the place. Elijah cuts a stick, threw it in there, and made the iron float. Lifted out, he said. The man reached out his hand, and what did he do? He took it. He took it back. There's the edge. He took it back. You've got to be willing to take back what you've lost. Now, here's what you have to realize. Only God can make the axe head float, but you've got to be willing to take it back. He wants you to take back what you've lost. Now, let me, let me preface everything I'm about to say over the next couple minutes with this warning. Okay? When you make a decision to go after God... When you make a decision to say, God, I lost it. Now I'm going back to find it. I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my life. I'm going all in for you. When you make that decision, the enemy puts you on his hit list. We see this played out. Second Chronicles chapter 19 and 20. You remember Jehoshaphat. We talked about him a few weeks ago. Jehoshaphat in, in, in 2 Chronicles 19, he's going throughout Judah. He's telling the people, turn your hearts back to God. Serve God. Be faithful to God. Live for God. And there's a revival as a result of it. So people are, are consecrating themselves. They're coming back to God. In chapter 20, the first two words of chapter 20 says, after this. After what? After the revival. After you make a decision to go back to God. After you make a decision to pull that thing back. Get the edge back. After this, three enemy armies surround him. The enemy of your soul will attack you. And there's that voice in your head, right? There's that voice that comes and says, you can't have it again. It's been too long. You've gone too far. You've, you've done too much. You can never have it back. I, I mean, after all you've done, come on, man. It's not going to work. You could, you've lost the best of what you could have ever been. But, but, but I want to come and, and debunk everything that the enemy is whispering in your ear. And I want to say today that with God, it's not too late to be the person you could have been. It's not too late to get back what you thought you could never have again. It's not too late to have what you used to have and have it with even more with the power of God. You have 
haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. God is not through with you. There's still a call. There's still a plan attached to your life. you got to be willing to open your heart and take it back. Turn to somebody and say, take it back. He's going to bring it within your reach, but you've got to take it back. How do I do that? You do what you can do and trust God to do what you can't do. You do what you can do and trust God to do what you cannot do. Can you and I make a axe head float? Absolutely not. We can't do that. But we can lift it out when God pulls it within our reach. We can take it back. Can we create in our own spirit passion and faith and all that? No. But what can we do? Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So you put yourself in a place where you hear God's word and it strengthens you and builds your faith. You pray even when you don't feel like it. Even when you feel like, man, I pray, but my prayers hit the ceiling and fall back down. Have you ever been there before? Like, I'm praying, but I don't feel like anything's happening. That is the exact time to pray. You give God praise in the middle of the storms, in the middle of everything that's happening. You're willing to worship. You're willing to praise in the middle of all of that. Why? Because the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of His people. The word inhabits simply means that God dwells in our praise. That's what it means. So every time you find yourself where the enemy is trying to knock holes in your boat, that's the perfect time to praise because your praise triggers the power of God in your life. So you pray. You share your faith even when you don't have all the answers. So it's like, hey, what's the deal, man? How do I know I get all them animals in the boat? I don't know. What's the deal with mosquitoes? I don't know. How did Jonah survive in that fish? I don't know. But here's what I know. What God did for me, he can do it for you. And he can change your life. Just hear me today. Everybody you meet. I'm going to give you something for free today. You're taking notes, you're going to need to get this. Everybody you meet. They want to know four things about you. Everybody you meet, want to, they want to know four things about you. Number one, they want to know that you love them, that you care about them, that you believe in them, and you can show them how to get better. Everybody you come in contact with, they want to know four things. You love them, you care about them, you believe in them, and you can help them to get better. That's what they want to know. And so you understand and realize that God's got a plan and a purpose and a calling on your life. And maybe you find yourself in a place where maybe you've, you've kind of lost that edge. And you're like, okay, how do, how do I get that back? Where do I start? I'm glad you asked. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Jesus is speaking to the church, a group of people who maybe where many of us are today. Maybe where some of you are. Watch what he says. He says, hey, you've... You've lost something. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. Watch what he says. Consider how far you've fallen. Hey, remember when you and I used to be so close? Remember when you used to spend time with me, God says? Remember when you used to get into the Word and get into prayer? Remember when you used to share your faith? Remember the love and the passion you had? Remember... He says, hey, consider how far you've fallen. And he says one word. Repent. Repent. 
Say you're sorry. Turn back. Come back home. Turn from your sin. Turn from your complacency. Repent and do the things you did at first. Guys, hear me. If you want what you once had, you've got to be willing to do what you once did. Let me say that again. If you want what you once had, you've got to be willing to do what you once did. When God pulls it within your reach, you've got to be willing to take it back. You've got to be willing to take it back. And and for me, it was a time after recognizing what I lost, I had to go back and do what I was doing before. And so I kind of recommitted to doing those things that brought life and passion back into my heart and back into my spirit. One of the first things I did was go on an extended fast. I know that's something we don't like to talk about a lot today. But I knew that I was in a season where I had to say no to my flesh so I could say yes to my spirit. So I went on a long fast. And come on, how many of you know when you go without some chicken nuggets and waffle fries? Come on, that's some serious business right there. Amen. I went on a fast. I made a commitment to seek God every single day. That was the first thing I was going to do. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and we, we grab this and we start, we start scrolling social media, right? For all of us old folks, we on Facebook. Come on, amen. But the young folks, they're on, they're on Snapchat and Instagram you know, all these other outlets. And so we, we, we start filling our mind with, and, and, and guys, hear me, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but for me, I said, God, the first thing I'm going to see is your book, not Facebook. So every morning when I wake up, before I get on this, I'm getting into this, His Word. I'm seeking Him. I'm praying. I'm going after Him. It was in that season, you guys know, I've told you before, it was in that season that God spoke into my heart. I have four kids. He says, Alan, I want you to take a Bible a year. Sometimes it takes longer. And I want you to go from Genesis to Revelation. I've been reading the Bible through for several years now. I encourage you to do that. It'll change your life. And every day I get into that Bible... And I begin to read it. And I've personalized each Bible with one of my kids. So it took me a while to do Caleb, because he's just like me. And I knew that little joker. Amen. So it took me about a year and a half to do his. Now I'm on Aiden's. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on his. But every day I'm reading that and, and, and I'm going through that. I was reading Acts chapter. 12 I believe it was I've been, in, been out of town this week and I was, I was reading that in my room it's an interesting chapter right because that, that's a chapter where when you start reading it you find that, that one of the apostles James he's, he's dead you know Herod is, is kind of victorious he's, he's, he's running things and the word of God seems to be squashed that's the beginning of the chapter but as you read as, as, as Peter's in prison. And so you read that, and at the end of that chapter, you see a turnaround. You see Peter freed, Herod dead, and God's word is exploded. 
God quickened my heart and I wrote that down. I said, Aiden, there's going to be times in your life, son, where things aren't going to look like you want them to look. But there's a turnaround. And I put that in the margin specifically for him. So every day I'm doing that. Again, now it's with Aiden. And I'm working on these Bibles so that, man, I don't know when I'll give it to them. I personalize it for them. I, I don't know. You remember the, the, the lady in the Old Testament that, that had the, the tent peg, drove it through the guy's head? Come on, how many of you know? There's some good stuff in the Bible, man, if you read it. I mean, how many of you didn't know that was in there? I mean, there's some stuff in there, I'm telling you. Gave my brother some warm milk. Come on, that's why I refuse to drink warm milk. Gave him some warm milk. My brother fell asleep. She put a tent peg right through his head. He was the enemy. I was working on Samantha's Bible. I said, girl, you're going to drive a stake through the enemy's head. So again, that's just me. That's what I do. But I made that commitment to do that. And guys, i got to be honest with you. When I reached out, he brought it back. And I took it. But you got to be willing to do that. you got to be willing to put the work in because the enemy of your soul is trying to put holes in your boat. He's got a little crack here and a little crack there and you're compromising here and you're compromising there and before you know it, the water on the outside is now on the inside and you've sunk. And you've lost it. But God wants to help you get back what you didn't mean to lose. Why? Because God is a God of restoration. Joel chapter 2 verse 25. I love this verse of scripture. This is a promise that God gives. I will. What's that word? Say it like you mean it. I will. Yes, as a promise from God. I will restore the years the locust has taken. There's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about when the enemy steals something from you, he has to pay it back seven times. Come on, how many of you know this? A lot of interest. And I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where what your life looks like. I don't know. Have you lost your edge or not? I don't know. But here's what I do know. If you've lost it, God can bring it back seven times hotter in your life. He'll give it back to you. But you got to be willing to be honest about where you lost it. And you got to be willing to take it back when he brings it within your grasp. And that's on you and I. Do what you can do and trust God to do what you cannot do. Stand with me all over the house. Man, listen to me. And I don't know who this is for. It may be for someone online. It may be for someone in here. But I really want you to hear me and internalize what I'm about to say. God has not forgotten you. You have not gone too far. You have not done too much. Well, Pastor, you you don't understand. You're right. I don't. But the fact that you're here, the fact you're watching, leads me to believe that God's still got something for you. There's a plan, there's a purpose, there's a calling attached to your life. I met with Principal Allen 
right across the street here at Triple S High School this past week. I said, man, how can we help? What can we, I mean, and we do a lot for the school. Don't get me wrong. We do. We've got the drum line coming in in October. We're going to bless them financially. We, we bless the ball team and, you know, the athletics department. We bless them financially. I said, but, man, what, what can we, what is the greatest need of Triple S High School right now with kids coming back? He said, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you. The number one thing we need is mentors. I said, okay, tell me what that looks like. He said, one day a week. It starts in September. Let me just throw a challenge out to you because I'm going to be doing it. One day a week starts in September. You pick the day. And it's only for a 30-minute slot. Now, they have three different lunches. If you want to do an hour and a half, you can. But just for 30 minutes, one day a week. You come in and they put you in a room with a child. If you're a female, it's a female. If you're a guy, it's a guy. They put you in a room with a student. And you have an opportunity. Like, go pick them up some Chick-fil-A. Man, tell me how you're doing. How's your day going? What's going on? They give you an outline, so it's very easy. And you become a mentor to that child. How easy can that be? Now, some of you say, well, Pastor, I work, and, you know, I just can't. And listen, that, that's understandable. <clears throat> but if you got time, would you be interested in doing something like that? Because that's a need. There's a generation of kids that are growing up, which is why you're going to hear so much more talked about this in October and November. You guys know I've talked about this a lot. I'll continue to talk about it. I'll talk about it even more when we get close. We're going to be doing an expansion of this facility. We're coming off the back of this building. That's the back wall right there. We're coming off the back. We're going over. Man, it's, it's big. It's going to double the size of the what we have now. And it's mainly focused on kids and students. That's the focus. We're going to get some cool stuff as adults. We get, Yeah. But it's mainly focused on kids and students. Why? Because we're building for the next generation. We're building so that these kids, these students. You remember when I told you four things people want from you? Do you love me? Do you care about me? Hey, do you believe in me? Because we're living in a society that's beating down our kids. We're living as a society that doesn't see any value in these kids. Do you believe in me? And can you help me get better? That's what people want to know. That's what these kids want to know. And so we got an opportunity to do our part. So if the mentor thing and, and kind of lights your fire, old timers cranks your motor, whatever it does for you, I want you to come meet me at the end of service. I want to talk to you about it. Love to get you on board. We'll talk more about that. Again, it doesn't start in September. Men, we need your help. Ladies, we need you. You ever been rafting before? You go down the rapids. Has anybody ever done that? Dude, it'll change your life. Like scared like you never believed. Ricky Sasser carried me and my family rafting. He was the guide in my boat. We're going down the rapids, and I feel something. What is that? I turn around and look. He fell out of the boat. 
Everybody's looking at me like, what are we going to do? I said, paddle. Just paddle. What about him? I can't help him. Paddle. <laughs> In the rapids, you get to the end, and there's always kind of like that, that last big rapid, right? And if you've got like a guide or like Ricky, they don't fall out of your boat. If you've got somebody in that boat, they always tell you one final encouragement, one final thing. You know what it is? He says, hey, we're coming up on the rapids. The only way we're going to get through this is one thing. What is that? Everybody paddle. Everybody paddle. Can I tell you something? If you want the spiritual edge back, if you want to pour into the next generation, if you want your life to matter, everybody's got a paddle. If we want to see an expansion, if we want to see God fill this house like never before, can I tell you what it takes? Everybody paddle. Everybody get on board and say, you know what? I might can't do a lot, but I can do this. Everybody paddle. And you get that edge back. You're honest about where you lost it and you take it back. Say, God, I need you like never before. So bow your heads with me all over the house. Father, thank you. Thank you for moments like this. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for your word. Thank you for not giving up on us. People may have given up on us. Family may have given up on us. Society may have given up on us. But there's an all-knowing, all-seeing God that never sleeps and never slumbers. And God, you never give up on us. And you brought us in here today for such a time as this. To hear from you. To be quickened in our hearts. To be willing to be honest with ourselves about our lives and where we are with you but also, Lord, to be willing to take it back when you bring it in our reach. And so, God, right now, we, we give ourselves to you. And we need you. Everybody bowed heads and eyes closed. Let me ask a question. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in here today. You just kind of slipped in. And you say, Pastor, man... I don't even remember ever having the edge. Where do I start? I'm glad you asked that question. The starting point, it all goes back to Revelations 2, 4, and 5. The starting point is you got to repent. Lord, forgive me. Turn your life completely over to Him. Give Him everything you've got, holding nothing back. Give Him your all. And if that describes you right now in this place, where you are, what you're going through, you say, Pastor, man, I'm ready to go all in for God. If that describes you, would you just be willing to lift a hand real quick and put it down and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to go all in. I want to give him everything I got. Maybe you're watching online. Seize the hand. You're watching online and you say, man, this is for me. If that describes you, I want you to put in the chat box, Pastor, that's me. That's me. God sees the hand. Look at me. One of the things you'll find out that we do around here is we do things as a family. Because what bothers you bothers us. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. Come on, look at them and say, I love you in spite of you. Amen. 
And we had some, some hands to go up today. We had some online. Can I just tell you something? This is the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life right here. Greatest decision, hands down, you'll ever make in your life. Does that mean your life's going to be perfect? Does that mean everything's going to be great and rosy and lovely? Absolutely not. But what it does mean is that you'll have a helper like you never had before. You'll have a hope like you've never had in your soul before. So let's pray this prayer together as a family. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, I believe you died on the cross and you rose the third day. And so, Lord, now I give you my life. I give you my all. Come into my heart. Make me who you want me to be. In Jesus' name, everybody in the house said amen. Come on, all online, all in the house. Give God a big hand, clap of praise all over.